Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1 800 858 858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. You can follow us on Facebook, you can follow us on Instagram as well at Real Adventures Show to join in the conversation and of course download our Real Adventures app. It has everything that you need, Real Adventures, in one place and it's free to download is one of Victoria and Australia's most prominent recreational anglers, as well as a salt guide angler, Aaron Redhab. Good, good morning, Redman. Good morning, Patrick. And I think there's no other show in the past multiple years that you and I have been doing this that you've been this excited to do this show, oh. as well as what we experienced during the week. Well, those in Victoria, those in Metro Victoria, I think they're pretty damn excited as, as well. They've spent a significant part of uh, the year in lockdown. Stupid amount. Crazy numbers. Yeah, they're still unable to head to uh, rural, but at the moment they can fish within 15... No, they can fish anywhere they want, launch in on the water and in the bay oh as long as they travel by via water. Yes. So what I'm, just to give you a bit of an example... Of that, uh, say for instance, if you're fishing out of Carrum. Sorry, can I? For, for those in Western Australia, there's been a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> well, uh, and we'll throw South Australia in there yeah, too. The, the, for, so for those and in, Darwin. In, in in beautiful SA, Western Australia, Darwin, there has been a worldwide pandemic. I'm not sure if you're throw aware. Tassie in there too. Tasmania. <laughs> um, it's affected the world, except for you know three to four states, um, of which luckily. Those in those regions, uh, you know, you wouldn't be aware. You're thinking Corona. Oh, beautiful! I wouldn't mind a Corona right now. We're starting to get into summer. It's starting to warm up. I'll have a few Coronas. Couple of cheeky ones. Well, we've had a few thousand Coronas per day in Victoria, so it's been a little bit different. But finally, finally, that our, the Melburnians can regional has been a little bit on the lighter side, or a lot on the lighter side. We're 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 not we haven't been allowed to launch in Metro, but we've been able to launch all around regional and travel where we want to on the water. But Melbourne were restricted to fifteen kilometers as of the last lockdown. It was going to move to twenty five, but Dan the man, some wouldn't say so, he has uh, actually uh, given up on that twenty five kilometer, and now you can travel and launch anywhere in Metro Melbourne. And you can also travel on the water. So if you're up, you can't uh, go to land. Obviously, can't go to land. But if you're out of Carrum, you can come over to St. Leonard's on the Whiting. You can head out off Bass Strait and catch yourself a barrel, which didn't stop a lot of anglers during the week out of Barwon Heads, which we'll be talking (laughs) about soon. But a few fines given actually in the end of the week, which was uh, interesting. Yeah, very interesting actually. But welcome back, Metro. I don't think of uh, as a business side of things, it's fantastic for Salt Guide in itself, but more importantly, the mental health and just fishing is just one of those escapes that they've they have been. 
I'm going to say 80% of them to 90% have been restricted to not being able to do due to travel restrictions. So well, well, they actually, those in Metro, and it's been very tight restrictions, they haven't been able to look at rural areas. <laughs> it, it's been that strong. You cannot Ugh. look in a rural region in Victoria. So now you can put down the shades and, and at least look. Well, I just, I'd love to know. They got out yesterday and I'd just love to know the relief on how they actually felt when they were allowed to travel. Wind's not that great over the weekend, Pat, I'll be honest, but I'm, I'm tipping it hasn't stopped a few people out there this morning. No, not at all. And it's been, I'll tell you why they've been looking, because the fishing is really starting to heat up. Uh, you and I caught some some cracking fish during the week. More importantly, we, and we'll talk about this in a minute, we uh, we launched the new Real Adventures. Uh, Our small boat. HMAS uh, Real Adventures. <laughs> um but there's been great reports of snapper, and this is what I want to kick the show off with. 10, 15 kilometres offshore around mm. Port Phillip Bay, there are 130-kilo bluefin tuna. It's quite up extraordinary. To a, up to 145. There's been some absolute monster bluefin being caught. No small ones. There's no small ones mixed in. They're all those big barrels that we, all, we like to talk about. And we love focusing on, on fishing right around the country. But at the moment, off a, off a metropolitan region, yep. to get fish that big, it's, it's quite extraordinary. There's not too many locations around the country, and, and Sydney's definitely one, but you've got to travel some distance in the mm, boat. To get to them, yeah. Where you can be that close to the, the entrance to Port Phillip Bay Heads and catch such incredible fish. And they are big. Like, they're, like it sound, everyone goes, oh, tuna, tuna. The, I got one. You were uh, one of the first to catch yeah, these Yeah, there was monsters. a few, couple of other local boys that got amongst them, and then I sort of got amongst them as well, at, which, yeah, one of the first of the crowds, I should say, and managed to score a big one between 120 and 130 kilo, which took us just under an hour to get in and in some bit rougher conditions, but that's what I like to fish. It fires the top up. They... they they really stir themselves up in that rougher conditions, as I've always spoken about on this show, and which is different to what most people look for when they talk about, you know, I really want to get into tuna fishing, or I want to really want to chase the snapper for the first time. It, it, it goes against the grain of, well, I want to get into tuna fishing, but I'm a fair weather fisherman. I want good conditions. At the moment, you're really facing the challenge of fishing with a huge amount of boats. You've actually got to look for something different. You do, and it's. There are there are some big boats. Uh, uh, sorry, there's some big numbers of boats chasing them offshore, which is putting them down. It has put them down during the week, uh, but you just they're, they're not tra- they're not your traditional bluefin that you get at Portland and Apollo Bay, where you have fifty thousand bloody gannets that flying into the water and your dolphins and seals. We are getting patches of that out here. Don't get me wrong, but I hooked my fish off three gannets. Yeah. One dived over there, then one dive, and I was just following them for about 40 minutes. I was marking up bait, and I said a couple of times, like, oh, I might have been fish, but it was quite rough, so it was hard to get a real good picture. So and take us through what you've done in order to, as as day breaks this morning, it's a great time to, to go out and chase them. Now, we're not necessarily guaranteeing you're going to catch a fish, but it's a possibility yep. for those that have been locked down. What, what signs are you looking for? What have, how have you set up the yep. boat? What lures are you using? And how's your spread in order to give yourself the best chance at catching a fish that's 140 kilos plus? Yep, and we'll go through just quickly about the, uh, about the life, which I sort of half said then. We're not finding those big flocks of birds that are coming down and busting to big bait balls. We're more traditionally at the moment finding mutton birds, which aren't usually at all with blue, big bluefin. Uh, they're usually with a school bluefin in summer out of here, but they're, they're actually in a ridiculous big number of those mutton birds, and they're pointing you into the right direction where the bait are. And then if you can find your dolphins, your seals, or your whale, 
that's when you're going to have your best success, Pat. It's when it's really, really starting to shape up in front of you. And then the one thing that I strongly recommend here, and there's been a fair few big bluefin caught over here over the years. It's not a new thing, but it's an exciting thing and it's a rare thing. And when they do bite out here, a lot of the times they're on that tide change. So the tide change is crucial. So if you're heading out, your lures, I'm just running four skirted lures, one diver, and then I'm running just on Tiagra, 24 kilos, and then just running rigger arms at the sides. I don't worry about the outrigger rubbish. I don't actually like them for tuna, uh, for barrel bluefin tuna. The charter guys will use them to run a spread of spread of lures, more lures in the water for their punters. Well, they've, they've got a lot of people on They've got camp, a lot of so people, they, that's they right. for that. 100%. So I'd be running your rigger arms. I'd be running a full tank of fuel, because be mindful that even though we're only travelling 10 to 15 kilometres, trawling all day, it does start to burn. And if you do get a phone call, it's on the other side of the rip. Yes, we're only 10 to 15 k's, say, out from the rip. But if you get a phone call and they're out down off uh, sort of your way, say, for example, Mogs, which is 40 k, you've got to get there and you've got to get back. And so cater for your boat. Uh, and also pilchards. Don't, make sure you take your pillies out and dropping down pillies on a single hook. So I you're run, talking just cubing or we'd so I, it goes hold, back hold. to there's some people out there that are recognised fishermen in the industry and I still can't process in my head why they cube for these fish. So what they're doing is they're rocking up and they're just chucking handfuls and handfuls of pillies into the water and one of them have got a hook in, they feed, feed it down amongst them. My theory is that these fish, when they're actually pilchered or cubable as we like to call it, they're actually on the pillies under that bait ball in themselves and they're holding there. You're not at Bermagui on the continental shelf where you've got a migration of 10,000 tuna travelling along the coast here. They're smaller numbers. And, yeah. and we've got small numbers here. They're not, And we can't hold them with that. They're on that bait. They're fixated on that bait. We just want to do our best to get that pilly to fall through that bait and drop down. If you can catch some bait, bait with a sabiki, Obviously, nothing best fresh beats fresh bait. So pillies dropping them down unweighted. You just want to back the boat up nicely to it so you get a nice full rate in your pilly. I don't run sinkers on them. I try and get it as natural as I possibly can. And then also, you've got to remember that when you are backing up to your baits and it is a bit rough, water will come over the transom. So just be mindful of the day and pick your day of when you're going to do so. But it is exciting. It's, it's not, not much more exciting in my fishing, to be honest with you. Landing fish not even 5Ks to 8Ks from my house at times, Pat. So 400 metres away, we're out in the boat, A, uh, we can see birds diving, yes, which we experienced during the week, um, and then all of a sudden, boats descend on it, mm. and they, they slow down within 30 metres mm. of you know, the epicentre of where these birds were diving. In an ideal world, like all you're doing is ruining it for everyone else, essentially. How far away are we slowing down? So we're not spooking those fish because this is different to, yeah. to fishing different regions of the country where boat traffic's a good thing. But for these fish, it certainly hasn't been. Yeah, it's there. So like your New South Wales and that, the more boats that go there and cube and hold these fish, the better. We're here, they don't hold up. So you are going to... It's going to contradict a little what you what you said, but you are right in what you're saying. I would always try to be the first boat there yep. because that first boat will tend to be the one that hooks up because it can spook the rest of them. So it contradicts yourself. How fast do you move to it? How fast do you... Because you don't want to destroy You don't it. want to destroy the bait ball. You don't want to pull through the middle. You want to pull around the outskirts of it, but then all of a sudden you pull, you do the right thing, come around the outskirts, then Bob behind you comes through the middle through of it middle. and stuffs it. So it's a fine line. If I'm... You know, you know me and how I fish. The first thing I do, if I can get away from boats, I always go looking. My first option is to go look. Yep. Always go look. Away from people as much as I possibly can. But if I don't... 
can't find anything, then I'll tend to go back to the crowds because that's where, for instance, it might have been a two fish hooked there this morning. That's where the latest news was. But if you do have the patience and the time and you can fish the way that I do, I would definitely be trying to find a school by yourself. And we've got a, I don't know, I reckon five or so minutes in this segment because I'd have to say it was one of your best days of your life, I reckon, looking at your face. I don't know, between your kids being born and this one, there are, <laughs> I reckon this one, this the birth of this boat could be uh, could have taken over that smile, I reckon. But you, per- you, finally, you finally got your 750 North Bank. It has been a long time coming, but... It's been worth I, the wait. It has been worth the wait. Take us through your first thoughts on this thing and everything that went through your head because it's a one-in-a-lifetime boat. Well, we picked it up from... Uh, well, Andrew dropped it down, rather. Um, a good friend, Andrew Stephen, from Melbourne Marine. Um, and, and for those who are looking for a new boat or or um, the fishing gear they've got there now is quite, story, is quite extraordinary. They really are a one-stop shop when it comes to uh, everything marine. Um, he, he's dropped it off um, and... I've got to say, Aaron, unlike uh, my son, George, my wife, Marty, or my beautiful daughter, Felicity, this was love at first sight. <laughs> to see those beautiful twin 200 Mercs, the beautiful silver um, the silver hull, to see the, the flooring. Oh, it's one of the most gorgeous boats I've ever seen. I, I, I was that excited to have the, the tuna tubes there, the bait. Uh, storage system set up the way that it is, um, Dometic fridge set up the way that it is. Everything in it has just been so thoughtfully um, constructed. And and you and I have been talking about this boat and and working through it for you know a couple of years now. Now there is you have got one item on the boat, and I'm not going to get you to take us through it because there is a question come from uh, a bloke called Andrew actually who sent the question in about it. And I want you to elaborate on the question a bit in a bit more detail later, but. I reckon it would have to be your favourite part of the boat, the joystick control. And we're going to go into detail soon about it. Yeah, yeah. After the joystick control, what about what, what was your next favourite thing? Because like you got to remember, you're born out and spent big money on this boat. Yeah, it's, yeah it is. It's, it's, it, it, like, was it the speed? Was it the engine? What, was it the Garmin set? What, what, what took your breath away the most other than the controls? Uh, as ridiculous as this might sound, I love the trailer. It yeah. to- like, so if I can drive a boat on and off the trailer... Like it's super simple. Uh, I love the how uh, the fact that at speed, and we hit you know ninety five k's an hour. <laughs> it doesn't feel like ninety five k's on water. It feels like driving a car. And we had beautiful conditions when we first took it out as, as for the handover. Uh, so so that was great. Um, I'd never experienced that's a, that's a lie. I was going to say I'd never ex- experienced twin engines before. The boat that I had, which was a Marcan Whaler, a four point five. It was the hardest controls of all time to ever use. Well, it had two engines on it. It had twi- <laughs> it had twin uh, forty Mariners, yeah, right. uh, ninety eight models, um, and <laughs> and the hardest steering to ever turn. So this is all power steering. Um, you can use there's 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 a setting within the um, the components of the the throttle itself that means I only need to use one throttle to control. Yep, so um, two sink, motors, sink to, mode to yep. sink it, and so that was brilliant. I love the. Um, the through mount uh, electronics is 16 inch Garmin. There's four transducers, so we should be able to bring up and, and map the Titanic pretty comfortably. Well, if we can't map it, well, at least we can fry the fish and they'll float <laughs> up and we'll just net them next to the boat anyway because you've got that much crap going on underneath that boat. So, it, you know, it's just. It's the floor? The, the floor? The, the flooring, the, the, the deck is, is, is brilliant. Um, and really, something that we talk about so often because it's so easy on your feet and for a long day out on the boat, it really does make it easier. So. 
Oh, look, I could talk for a forever about this boat. Um, I'm I'm super excited about it. We're we're excited to to get filming real adventures in it, which we'll be doing over. I'm the, I'm just the, more the excited. Month. More excited that I got a. F- Brand new 750 hardtop for nothing. I think that's the best part of this deal that's going on. I think it's an absolute cracker. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm, it's a very impressive boat. I'll give you that. You've done very, very well. Not just you. Rob from North Bank, they build a good boat. It's hey, just straight it's up. incredible. The like, attention to detail. I'll give you a hint. I've broken a lot of boats in my time, and I haven't broke my six metre yet. So I'm going to put your 750 up for a challenge. Let's go. No, Melbourne, so Andrew from Melbourne Marine too. The work those boys do there, they take passion in what they have to do as well. So They really do. So um, huge thanks to those guys. And, and, and we're going to sort of keep updated and review the boat as, we're going, as we go forward. Uh, it's got a loo in there for the girls. So, yeah, it's, it's all very exciting, and we're looking forward to it. Are you allowed to drop one off in the toilet? That's the question. That, you know this is a cardinal sin on any boat. <laughs> it's my you rule. Cannot, you, can't... you cannot do number two on the boat. So you can't do it. So you're putting a sign up. Can I order you a sign on eBay now that says no number twos? 100%. <laughs> on that note, we're going to go to the break. We've got a massive show of Real Adventures coming your way. We've got the Social Club. We've got a few guests to talk about some latest tech that's coming out that is changing the way that we fish. This is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get into the social club, we're going to have a bit of a look around the country to find out uh, what's biting. Clearly, we've seen right throughout Victoria, particularly the southern regions, some fantastic southern bluefin tuna, less than 15 k's offshore from the entrance to Port Phillip Heads. There's been you know, multiple reports of captures up to 140-odd kilos, which has been amazing to see, Redmond. As we head further north into New South Wales, as COVID restrictions continue to relax, and we, we must stress for, for our Western Australian friends, uh, NT, Tassie and South Australia, that, that COVID is a worldwide pandemic virus that's been occurring <laughs> everywhere except those four states. Um, but uh, New South Wales at the moment. Schools of bluefin off Naruma, still out a little bit wide, but... Not that little six to eight kilo things. A few bigger ones models have been caught. Just on lures and on surface as well. Those yellow fin are still out wide as well, but not in the numbers that they were. But they will be there. So yeah. it's just a matter of finding them. Uh, you've also got the spring kings, as we like to call them, in and all around Sydney. So your Botany Bay. You've got, they're not huge at the moment. No, nah, but there are legals. They are getting yeah. legals, Pat. And they're a beautiful eating fish. And if you do get a legal fish, I highly recommend keeping it to eat. Just keep what you need, obviously. But... Well and truly keep yeah, what you really need. Nice uh, going to your old neck of the woods, South Australia. Just going to a little bit of a calamari report today because I'm going to stay away from the whiting and the other stuff. But Brighton down there, the calamari land-based and in the boat, fishing really well. Now, I need you to pronounce that word for me. I can't pronounce that. It's It just sound, it looks ridiculous. It's probably gonna, It starts with F-L-E-U-R-I-E. Fleurie Peninsula. Yeah, somewhere in South Australia. Fishing really well for... Well, you you've, you've had a few reports come in from, from people living Massive reports. Right? I, yep. It's a really big calam- calamari pad, up to 40 centimetre hoods. I need you to pronounce that word again for next time. No, I was saying it quietly. <laughs> so, so, like a Fleury Peninsula, we'll go with that. It would, but, it would be Fluoride Peninsula. Fluoride Peninsula, we'll deal with that one. And Yeah, so there's really good calamari fishing and there is some good whiting fishing going on too. But I said no whiting today. We're going to head to Tassie and it's going to be... Derwent is fishing well once again. It hasn't stopped for a few brown trout, but those barrels have showed up. Now, just to give you an idea of how big Bass Strait is, Bass Strait runs from the east side of Apollo Bay 
right to Tassie and down to Gippsland Way. Like, yep. it's a big, big stretch of water. And these barrel bluefin that we have out here, as well as Tasmania, they're not far away. Now, fish can swim very, very quick. And I wonder if they're how linked they are together with Davenport. Yeah. Uh, because Davenport has seriously had a big run of, bar- bla- uh, of barrel bluefin tuna in close up to 40 metres. That's just to give an example. They're coming into 40 metres, also out a little bit deeper. But I just would love to see where it's at regarding those same fish. It would be great to see a tagged fish being captured or whatnot, and I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but it would be very interesting if it does. And last report, we're going to go to Queensland, Pat. Far north Queensland, the GTs are really starting to fish really well. Now, I'd love to give you a spot where they are, but the locals always keep their secret reefs a secret. We'd be shot. We'd be shot. We'd be killed. But if you are a GT fisherman and you do have your spots that you do want to go out at far north Queensland, it is well and truly worth getting into some 30-kilo big GTs. Those poppers, you can't beat throwing them in stick baits, Pat. It's bloody fun. It's one of the most enjoyable forms of fishing, and and it it blew us away when we were – you know, very close to landing 50-centimetre-plus oh. Nanagai, and they're getting... Smashed. Absolutely <laughs> annihilated. Like 50-kilo GTs. 45-plus-centimetre coral trout and getting hammered. Like, when, when when there's a fish that the sharks steer clear of... <laughs> you, you know, That's why their heads are so flat from running to sharks. You know, uh, they're, 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 you know, they mean business. Last uh, last one for you. Lake Tinaru, big barramundi being caught out of there. Uh, bag limit captures. I think it's five per person up there. So, like, it's fishing really, really well. And you can get them uh, casting all sorts of things. They, they vary on the day. You, plastics, you've got hard bodies, you've got multiple different things you can cast at them. So that there is the whip around around the country, Pat. Where and of course, we're still gearing up for the uh, the million dollar barra uh, in the NT. Yes, and so for, off not for those that, um, that are heading up there chasing some big barra, we'd love you to send in some photos and uh, and shoot through some, some imagery of your, your classic captures, but let's get to the Social Club Redmond. When we take your questions from social media giving away real brand gear every single week. And this, I think, is definitely on the back of uh, the tuna that you caught during the week, Redmond. Uh, This is from Zane. Do colours make a difference for chasing tuna uh, and the skirts that you're using? It does. It makes a massive difference. And I tend to have one of each. Now, what I mean by that is I like to run a squid colour along the lines of a pilchard slimy mackerel colour, along the lines of a lumo green, which I think it's meant to resemble... A yakka maybe, but it looks like a Christmas tree. So I don't actually know what it resembles. But we'll go with the Lumo Green because that's what it is. And a red bait. It's all, that's sort of the ones you'd wanna in, uh, you want to sort of, I guess, stick along those lines and you're going to have a good chance of actually catching a fish. Now, I always tend to favour a lure that's working better. So say, for instance, you get multiple reports of, uh, say, five fish come on the pilchard colour and one on a Lumo. I'd probably still run one Lumo, but I'd probably sneak another one, another pilchard colour or a slimy colour out just to have that better chance of hooking hooking a fish. I know you're about to ask a question, but I've, I've got another couple just off the back of tuna whilst we're talking about them. Right. Uh, trawling speed, is it making a difference uh, at the moment for where you're fishing and what are you trawling at? Cheers, Gabe. I tend to trawl a lot slower than a lot of people and I'm, I don't know, not by, not meaning to, I sort of just have my comfortability of when I find the lures are working the best. So people have in their heads, you've got to troll at seven knots. Yeah, so it's a, it's probably not a bad 
It's not a bad sort of speed to, to work from. It isn't. Seven knots, 14K. So but, but, I'm you're, but you're looking at the conditions as that's, well. That's like you, it. You don't want them moving through the water too fast, no. but you don't want them also depending on what direction the tide's moving. Yep. And you spoke about the tide and it how that's important with your fishing at the moment. There's so many different asterisks that come off that question. It comes down to the fact of what lure head you're running. So different lure heads run di- better in different positions. So, so like we're a, talking cup size yeah, so your of cup, those. Your bigger cup faces, you tend to run closer to your wash because they'll pull in and out of your wash. They're more erratic. They tend to grab the attention of a fish. Where your more long heads, your smaller cups... You tend to run them back a bit further. They're more of a placid sort of lure. And then on your shotgun, you tend to run maybe a heavier a heavier head to hold it under, and especially in the rough conditions. Now, mm. rough conditions, you can run. You can get real technical. You can run run, run uh, heavier heads, which I'm running the Tornado lures at the moment. This is no affiliation with sponsorship at all whatsoever. I've literally purchased all my lures, and they're a tre- tremendous lure. But one thing I like about them, they're lead, he- they're lead heavy, so they're nice and heavy. So there's two purposes. On the on a calm day... So quite often you can purchase um, glass-filled yep. uh, cups for the end of the, the skirts that you'll run, and they really won't be that heavy at all. No, not if they haven't got lead implemented in the middle of them. Yep. And so there's all different types. And on a glass calm day, I tend to use... Because so, it's one of the things that... that um, is important if you're looking online and you go, oh, this is this is forty dollars cheaper. Yeah. I'm just going to get this, but you haven't actually looked at your weight and why that makes such an an important um, difference to to your fishing. And it, it comes down to the day. So like on a glass calm day, I, I I like to run the heavier heads because I find they sink sit under a bit better. Yeah. But I also I trawl a bit faster. Because it's glass calm, I want the lure to pop more. I want it to do its thing. Where if it's a rougher day and you don't even know what your bloody speed is because you're going up and down the waves, I tend to run a bit slower because you fall down waves, the lure's already popping, doing things out of chop. So I'm definitely slower on rougher days, slightly slower, and I'm definitely faster on calmer days with my trawl speed. And I'm purely looking at my spread. That's In all honesty, I'm just looking at the back of the boat and I'm going off what is actually happening in, in the water behind my behind my wash, I guess you could say. So that that's there how I determine where to place my lures and what lures to run for the day. The next question is from Andrew. Danger, can you please take us through why you got joystick control on your new North Bank? And this is a great question. And, and joystick control, it, it's not necessarily for everyone. It's an expensive addition to what um, is already an expensive boat. But for someone like myself who isn't as anywhere near as experienced as what Aaron is with how he can manoeuvre and can control a boat, particularly with, with twin engines, what, ena- what it enables you to do is literally crab the boat sideways with, with real ease. And I've only been using this for a few days now, this Optimus 360 system, um, which is a Seastar system, which majority of boats will run Seastar steering. Um, it makes it really really easy it's a you know a novice can use this and you can control whether it's your bow or your stern and what angle you come in to dock at you can essentially spot lock this uh, out in the middle of the bay depending on the tides and you can hold your position Mm. now you can hold uh, just your stern you can hold your entire heading so the, the the limitations on this there's not many when it comes to um, sheer ease of use. And if you're not someone like Aaron that uses and drives a boat every day where he can really control it quite easily, and if you're someone that only gets so many opportunities, it makes uh, the use around a, a boat ramp launching um, your, your boat so easy. I was Ma- amazed. Manoeuvring around boats so easy. I was amazed 
on how quick you picked it up. Now, and I it's had only a little, subtle. Yeah, I had a little play with it, not much to be honest with you at all. Like, I literally didn't really touch it. I pushed it in and out a couple of times to see what it did. You played with it a lot more than me, but you picked it up so quick, and you literally were parking within minutes. You were parking on the side. Of a, of a pier not even touching it like you're literally getting right up close you could pull away you could and pull you've got to, it you've got to spend time with it mm. like it is one of those things that you know, the, the finer movements so, are the simpler so where where would you recommend this so I'm talking somewhere like the Queenscliff Harbour where wind can play a factor and you're a bigger boat where would you recommend it well 100% it's that it's wind so the increase in hard tops has been phenomenal of, of recent years and that's one of the big challenges uh, around launching and retrieving. The wind picks up and yep. all of a sudden your boat turns into a sail. So what this does, this can counteract that. And this is why you see motors that literally, if it, it looks like they've been broken. They're going in yeah, opposite it looks, directions. It actually just messes with your brain. It does, but they but they work um, They work with each other and you can pivot it. it, it it's a, it's a, you know, it, is, it is expensive, but in terms of taking away one of the biggest stresses when it comes to the time in your boat and launching and retrieving it, it just eliminates it. It really does. And if you if you want more information on it, head to the Sea Star website, and they've got some great tutorials on it. And they've got uh, videos on on their website, and and we'll be doing the same thing on our Real Adventures socials as well to show you how easy uh, it is to use. Um, congratulations! I think it was Gabe. I reckon you our winner this week, Gabe. So send us a direct message, mate. And we'll shoot out some real brand gear to you. Redmond, that wraps up the social club. Uh, up next, we've got gearing up. We're chatting to Simon Bajaya from Mercury Australia. He's going to talk us through the twin 200s that I'm rolling with and getting access to more of the technology that all modern-day motors uh, provide you with, but not necessarily every angler really takes up uh, the use of. Spot on. You're listening to Real Adventures. Gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. One ice box, hundreds of stores. Our special guest this morning is Simon Bajaya from Mercury Marine Australia. Simon, it's been a, a fascinating 12 months for you guys from the, the start of the pandemic where everyone thought the, the industry was going to you know, really struggle to, to where it is today. Firstly, welcome to the show and, and, and talk us through how it's been. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it has. It's actually it absolutely exploded the uh, way things have gone. Um, yeah, demand has gone through the roof, um, which is great. We've got a lot of people out on the water boating. Is it one of those things that that was just so difficult to ever predict that it, it caught the whole industry on the back foot? Now, obviously, you um, you, you talk with the real big players, whether it be boat manufacturers or other marine distributors, but it, it seems to have shocked everyone else. Absolutely, yeah. We were fearing the worst in the beginning and uh, it's gone the complete opposite. Um, so it's caught everyone short a little, but to give you an idea, we've got production lines running at maximum capacity at the moment and still can't keep up. So it's, um, yeah, it'd be interesting you know, to see how it all pans out in the future. One of the things that uh, we're keen to talk about before we talk about um, the, the new North Bank, and we um, we spent some great time on the water together earlier in the week, uh, is Merck's new 600 horsepower. Do you see that changing the way that fishermen use their boats in Australia? Because clearly, what we see in the states are you know 30 to 40 
plus foot boats that are that are working multiple engines. Are we seeing a trend in Australia where we're seeing larger, not only trailable boats, but, but boats that will sit in the pen where you can now have a, a motor that sits outside of the salt water and outside of the wear and tear that you would get where you would normally you know, sit with an inboard and have quite often, we hear this all the time, you know, interesting mechanical issues that arise from that. Yeah, look, it's, um, as you say, it was purely designed more around getting the multiple outboard boats down to, say, a dual outboard or a um, triple outboard boat. Um, but there is a few um, applications where we see it's fit for a single. Um, and as you say, the ability to trim that engine completely out of the water on those size boats has uh, certainly been a big benefit. And alongside that, there's a lot of new uh, rigging to go with that um, and some functionality around that. Um, such as a steerable gear case, which is the only thing that moves is the gear case, um, allows swim platforms and things like that to be built around the engine without um, the engine moving and impacting on those platforms. So it's um, going to be interesting to see how that takes uh, the boat designers within Australia to suit our product. So I just want to say what a wonderful job you did with us during the week. Uh, we got to spend a bit of time with yourself and Andrew from Melbourne Marine taking us through Pat's new boat uh, regarding the Mercury side of things, whether it's the the smart gauge and all the the throttles and controllers that it, when I say all, I'm talking about the 144 that are available on his <laughs> boat. Uh, I just it's want to I guess discuss how important it is to utilise people like yourself and someone from that a dealership that is familiar with other product that they're putting out. Now, the reason, a lot of the reason that you were down is the joystick controls, uh, which is, we were gonna, we, you took Pat through, but because Andrew had a massive familiar, he had, wasn't super familiar with it as it's a new product and whatnot, but just take us through how important it is to actually get every angler or Bodie out there to learn what they have. For example, active trim, you've got your smart gauges and you've also got syncing your engines together. And with the, with the joystick control, there's so many different attributes to that. Take us around important it is to learn everything from someone like yourself. Well, look, to get the most out of what's fitted to the boat, it's certainly um, the best uh, opportunity is to get to talk to your dealer or someone from Mercury to actually take you through it like you're lucky enough to see that. Um, and joystick product, we always make it a priority to hand personally someone from Mercury, hand that product over to um, the end user. Just purely by able to learn the features of it and the capabilities um, and be able to get the enjoyment straight off the bat with uh, that product. Um, but things like you say, active trim, um, some people don't understand the functionality of that, which allows someone to really drive the boat and not uh, have to worry about the trimming the boat at all, um, especially your first boat time boat user. Um, that's where that's a really good function. Um, and down to even the screen, some of the functionality, the interfacing with the screen, with other screens and other features of the boat. Um there's lots of good tutorial videos on the Mercury website for that type of um, information as well. Um, yeah, so it's certainly worth uh, having someone run you through all those features. Do you go home of a night with your brain just doing circles and spins because <laughs> you don't even know what the hell you said half the time, to be honest, because there's so much stuff with technology well, these Simon days. wouldn't, but I dare say the people... Well, that's what I mean. Out. Sorry, yeah, you've literally <laughs> brain-phased everyone. Like, for someone like myself who has a fair understanding of the, I guess, the equipment that was in front of me, well, then you've got someone like Pat who's just more passionate about being out there. I was even blown away. So your brain just must do circles. 
Yeah, it's a lot to take on, and we've got such a big offering in our gauges and controls to tailor it to everyone what they want to use the um, you know for the use of their vessel. Um, you know, you got your ski guys have got one sort of range, you got your fishing guys, mm. they've got another range yep. completely. So, um, the best thing I always say to someone, you really can't hurt the gauges if you don't go into the settings of them and just play around with the screens and get familiar with that. And off the back of that, it's always good to contact the dealer then from there and they can run you through some questions you might have off the back of that. To take it all in at once is, is a lot of information to take in at one go. Certainly was for me during the week. Oh, I, couldn't, I had to sleep for four days afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a bit of a, a question without notice, Simon. We've seen so many advances uh, from Mercury with outboard engines over the, the past five years, and it's culminated with with clearly this latest 600-horsepower V12. What we've seen in the automotive space is huge advances around EVs and electric vehicles uh, and yep. the advancements there. Where do you see the marine industry in, in, in 10 years' time? Is this something that you think will be, will be taken up in the marine space? Because clearly one of the big challenges that we all have is the weight distribution on boats and how that's worked through. And then you've got range. You can't exactly charge a battery, um, you know, next to a petrol station out in the middle of the ocean or in the Bass Strait versus, you know, getting you, someone to hand you, over a, a jerry can or something. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean in 10 years' time? It'll be a 15-year wait for any brand of engine by then. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like that at the moment. <laughs> Where do you see it going? Um, look, yeah, certainly there are avenues, I think, that would be explored. Um, but at the moment, I think uh, we're making a lot of advances in the product we've got and the controls and rigging and, as you say, the launch of the 600. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think maybe it'll be somewhere that we'll certainly head towards, but I don't know. Um, it's just something that they uh, certainly always would be looking at. Well, just, just before you let go, I just want to say once again, big thank you, Simon, because it was a pleasure dealing with you during the week, the way that you took through, pat through the actual items that you had in front of him, which he, in all honesty, had minimal knowledge about. And <laughs> I, I did a bit of reading actually the night before to try and get my head around it a bit, and you actually explained it very, very well. So if anyone is interested in actually uh, learning more about le- your, your engine yeah. and, and accessing... Like you're not going to get a hundred percent because you won't remember it all, but just accessing more. Learn as your, you go. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. There's so much that your boat can actually do and your Mercury can actually do that I don't think Simon, uh, everyone always really understands. That's right. Yep. Yep. Certainly, it's certainly well worth. Uh, as I said earlier, contacting the local dealer could step you through a lot of that information. Now we each everyone. I was just their... to say you can ring Simon on this number <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Now, we all have our different, the, the different parts of a boat that we, we see as our favourites. Um, I love the fact that on, on, on the throttle system that I've got that you explained, you can, you can run with the single arm rather than having to, to try and use both. Sync them together. They, they sync together. What's one thing that, that you're offering at the moment or that your engines offer that, that you really feel is a winner for yourself and, and, and sort of matches almost the fishing and boating that you do? It's a really hard question. There's so many good features with it. Um, but one thing I particularly like is the adaptive speed that our engines offer. Mm. Um, I've found that particularly good in swells or um, even in t- turning tight circles where the engine will maintain the RPM through that circle or in, up at the back of a swell or down the other side of the swell. I really like that functionality. Um, 
Also, as you say, that lever one is just phenomenal. Being able to control both engines on a dual like your boat um, with uh, one lever is just, yeah, it's awesome. It allows the engines to sync together. Um, yeah, I find that really good functionality, as you say, as well. The the motors that I'm running, the, the twin 200 V6s, just what surprised me was just how effortlessly the boat hit, you know, 90-odd kilometres very, very quickly. and Clearly, one of the the big challenges with any engine is getting your power to weight ratio. You don't want, you know, fifteen hundred kilos of motors sitting at the back of your boat. They're a really well balanced engine, aren't they? They are, yeah, and they're a very torquey engine. So, as you noticed, it sort of gets the boat up out of the water really quickly and up to speed with no real effort. Actually, throws you off your feet if you're not ready. <laughs> if you accelerate hard, yeah. Simon, we really appreciate your time uh, coming on Real Adventures this morning and we will be sort of touching in with with Simon throughout uh, the rest of the year talking about Mercury and the advantages and the little things that that anglers at home uh, can learn uh, from and about. Uh, Simon, thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. No, that's fine. Anytime. Thanks, Simon. See you later. That was gearing up for Dometic. One icebox, hundreds of stores. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the home stretch. I've enjoyed the show today, Redman. Oh, you've enjoyed the week, like you said. <laughs> You're not sure how big the smile is compared to having a child. Yeah, uh, there's a pep in my sort of voice, <laughs> isn't there? Look at you with your little 750 North Bank. I can't even joke around and say little 750 because... It's Riviera it, on Can the we water. call it Titanic. <laughs> It's big. Red's tip for the week, and it's appropriate as there are stacks of uh, fishermen heading out for tuna this yep. weekend, uh, Redmond. When approaching them, uh, fishing for and attacking the fish on the right side of the boat, fighting it on the right side of the boat. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people just through the social media platforms, and if you've got your own method that works for you, then turn away and don't listen to what I have to say. But for anyone that wants to learn and make it easier for yourself, you really want to fight these fish these big fish, when you're fighting them, on the driver's side of the boat. Now, the reason for this is it allows you to be able to see everything that's going on regarding the line, where the fish is, because if the fish dives deep and they're on the uh, st- uh, port side of the boat, so on the left-hand side of the boat, and you're on the starboard side, it's very it's very hard for you to see. Where if you're just standing right next to where the rod is in itself, you can actually manoeuvre the boat around that fish. If it dives down deep, if it takes big turns, you can move it around. But like less said, guesswork. A lot less guesswork. So if you are chasing a barrel and you do hook one, try and fight the fish out of the driver's side of the boat as much as possible. It also allows you, if you're one man down, say two people on the boat or if there's even three, it allows you to get from that steering wheel to the gaff or to the leader much quicker than trying to run to the other side of the boat, especially in Pat's North Bank, which if you walk from the front to the back, you're tired. So just make sure you do... Try this out. I think it'll help you a hell of a lot. It's now time for the Flying Gaff, Patrick. That was Red's tip. It is time for the Flying Gaff, and the Flying Gaff this week is heading to a Leopold man who is due to face uh, Geelong's Magistrate Court as he faces charges uh, in relation to to selling fish um, whilst fishing recreationally. So with no proper licensing, um, he's lost his boat, estimated to be worth forty grand. It's a streaker cutty. And if this used second-hand market at the moment, you could probably sell it for 80. <laughs> it's going that berserk. So he's lost his boat. Um, he's lost his gear, his mobile phone, all his fishing equipment. 
um, that is used to catch these fish. The most disappointing thing about this, Pat, is... Everyone knows the rules, Aaron. Well, the most disappointing my thing is I know the vessel very well and for them to fish next to me a hell of a lot and for this to happen, it's not what fishing's about. It's just it's just not what fishing's about. It's not about going out there and, and like I said, I know the guys Rape well. It's, it's not just, about that. No, no, and selling and making money off fishing. It's meant to be... That place, and unfortunately, well not fortunately, they got unfortunate for them, but fortunately, they did get caught. Because what the consequences does, are coming their way? Because what this does is it it hammers those commercial fishers, and we're all yes, hard on strain on, on, them. on commercial fishers at times. But they've got a living and a job to do, and and they go through the right processes. They they pay for the right licensing, and this rips at the heart of that. So those those blokes don't deserve to get their their boat back, Aaron. They know no. the rules, so disappointing. They need to live without their boat and with the consequences. That has been real adventures. We hope you enjoyed the show. Can we go fishing? Well, it's time to go fishing. <laughs> Let's go there fishing. Is some big tuna. <laughs> Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. All thanks to McDonald's, Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.